Welcome to V3Cast, the official Voyager 3 podcast, where we cover all Voyager 3 news and all kinds of pop culture stuff that we're into, like films, albums, comic books, Dungeons and Dragons, the list goes on and on. So I'm going to introduce the band. We have on drums, Greg Maston, on guitars, Aaron Green, and... My name is Steve Green. I play all the synthesizers, keyboards, and electronic blips and bloops. Okay, so to bring everybody up to speed on what Voyager 3 have been up to, we just played our first concert. And how long, Aaron? A year and a half. That's crazy. You know, we, we play shows as much as we can, so this is one of the longest breaks uh, I do believe we've ever done. Yeah, um, we played a couple, a couple weeks before everything got shut down. That was in Hamtramck at the Music Fest, but we were scheduled to play Royal Oak, Toronto. the uh, the rock and the the bowl the uh, bowling place. Oh, in the, oh yeah, Bolero, Bolero, Bolero. For sure. And then the next night, I think we were going to play in Toronto, and we realized we saw which way the wind was blowing, and we said if we go to Toronto, we're not going to be able to get back into the country, and so we had to cancel it. The next day, it was everything was canceled anyway yeah. around the world, so. Uh, the yep. choice was taken out of our hands anyway. So that was our last show back in um, late February, I think, of uh, 20. Yeah. And then we uh, finally got back on stage a year and a half later at St. Andrew's Hall. Yes, what a place to return to the stage. Um, first of all, I know I can speak for all of us when I say that's the best venue to see a show and play a show uh, in the country. Yeah. yeah, the best ever. The show that we played was uh, Twisted's Fright Fest. It's an annual Devil's Night bash that they've been doing for quite some time. And they were kind enough to invite Voyager 3 to open the night up. And we did just that. It was great. Um, our, our good buddy, um, Dave Misveth, was there at front of house. Uh, he's done our sound quite a few times around town, um, mainly St. Andrews and Smalls, when we play Smalls in Hamtramck. Uh, Excellent sound, man. Um, so we were in good hands. We were setting up, and there's the there's the monitors guy who stands over to the to stage left, and there's Dave who runs the house sound. And Dave <laughs> was Mike was getting the mic set up, and they were both working together. And Dave goes, "We're gonna put two mics on his uh, Marshall, my guitar cabinet, and uh, and we're gonna do that." And then the the guy, the monitors guy, goes, two mics." He really likes you guys. <laughs> <All Yeah. right. laughs> he doesn't give two mics to everybody's guitar cabinet. Trust me. That's right. Not everybody gets the two mic treatment. <laughs> nope. <laughs> the stage sound was impeccable yes. uh, that night. Uh, and I can, I can sort of tell that front of house was off the chain too, because every time I hit some of those low synth notes, my feet shook uh, on the floor. So I know that that's, uh, everything's correct when that happens. It, it should be like rattling your soul. Let's right. tell them how great Twisted is and how great the show they put on is and how they uh, really looked out for us. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, most definitely, man. Um, we had everything that we needed. Um, totally enough time to sound check. And they, they put uh, billboards out all over town and just advertised this show like nobody's business, man. And we were all over all the, um, the ads and the graphics and stuff like that. So shout out to Twisted. Thank you for the support. We really appreciate it, man. It was a, it was a great and night. It's cool because, if, I mean, if you think about it, I don't know if anybody's heard our music out there, 
we're nothing like Twisted. We're nothing like any of the bands on that show. Um, it's mostly rap. Um, there was um, or hip hop. There was uh, uh, Il Nino. Is that no? That, that was Nonpoint. Nonpoint, and they're like a sort of a rap rock new metal. But um, Twisted had us on Astronomicon back in I think it was nineteen. I don't. I can't keep track anymore. Yeah, it was twenty nineteen. Um, and uh, Jamie, Jamie Madrox, he liked our music and had us at Astronomicon, and he ended up playing our stuff over the PA like for a whole day at Astronomicon. It's a big uh, horror fest and uh, science fiction genre fest. And, um, and he was playing our music overhead, and that was a few couple of years ago. And then flash forward to now, they had us on the show, and you know it was really cool for them to put us on. Definitely, man. We had a great time for sure. And their fans are awesome. They, um, we, I can't even remember how many people came up and, and just kind of like, you're here. We're supposed to buy something from you. So I'm going to buy this CD. I'm going to buy this shirt. It's just so cool. Like who does that? But their fans yeah. do. Now their fans yeah. were also lined up at their merch booth all night. So that's awesome. All night. <laughs> I would love to know how much merch they sold that night. Thing man, their, mer their, their merch spread is ridiculous. Yeah, I good. mean, they have more merch than most bands I've ever seen in my life. Maybe yeah. more than Kiss. More Maybe than, more I than think, Kiss. Yeah. yeah, it had to be. Yeah. The other cool thing about the show was, like, because there were seven bands on it, like, usually what they do is they put um, the dressing rooms or whatever are downstairs in the shelter. And because there were seven bands, they sort of ran out of room down there. So they put us up in the VIP room, which to me was even better. They, right. We were up in the VIP room. There was a bar up there that was sort of like for us to use almost exclusively. And then like for those old school people, the, um, the VIP room is the old Burns room. It's been totally remodeled and it looks like baller status. It's like there's velvet couches and nice curtains and everything like that is really top notch. So that was our our kind of green room and it was it was great man so okay it comes to the time of the show where we ask the guys what are you drinking greg you go first i'm drinking well i'm gonna turn it around so you can see it can you read that uh, eddie yes. van hazy yes eddie it's van hazy, hazy. Hazy IPA, I guess. Mm-hmm. That that tastes like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> no, it just looks like Eddie Van Halen. That's yeah, look sweet. at that. The Frankenstrat type of design. Can you see the brewery on there? Who is that? Rockford. Rockford Brewery. Nice. Yeah, give him I'll a shout out. I'll have to Eddie try Van that. Eddie It's really good. All right. I, I, I have just uh Sugar Free Monster. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. This is my favorite monster, though. Um, He's laying off the hard stuff. The, the green one's good. The blue one's uh, locale's good. But this white one, it's like, it's my favorite. Cheers. Is it like Arctic Blast or something? Kind of. Or like a little citrusy, maybe. I can't. Uh, sweet tarts. I mean, all the energy drinks are a little sweet tarty, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Yeah. The best ones are. Right. I got, I got myself a fat tire. Fat tire. We got that uh, when we were on tour in 2019, right? Uh, in one of the hotels. Wasn't that one of the beers Definitely. of choice? The first time I ever had Fat Tire was when we were recording our very first uh, two-songer at Temper Mill. So to me, Fat Tire is always linked to recording. It's like our recording beer. Um, 
unless go. we don't have a lot of money and then we'll get something cheaper. But um, it's a great beer. Greg mm-hmm. introduced me to Fat Tire. Was that the first time you ever had it at the studio or did you had it before that? Uh, probably not. It was pretty popular back then. So Fat Tire is like almost the official beer of victory in the battle chamber, sort of, kind of. Yeah, well, that, that, that brewery in particular got really popular after Fat Tire came out in New Belgium. They, yep. they do all kinds of different beers now. Very cool. Yeah, they, they just celebrated their 30th anniversary, 1991, yo. All right, man. And did you hear that our local brewery, Bell's, the owner is retiring and just sold it to a much, much bigger company? Oh, see, now that's, that, a, that's a point of that, worry because sometimes yeah. when stuff like that, that happens. There's a point of worry. It it it, uh, it it goes down the tubes, man. And but sometimes it maintains or gets better. But a lot of times it doesn't. Um, okay, so before we go on to our next topic, uh, if you will, um, we have some self news. So um, we're super excited to announce that uh, our fourth full length record is is out right now. It's the soundtrack to New York Ninja. We have it on CD, and that's shipping now at the Voyager 3 store, which is V-O-Y-A-G-3-R store.com. The cassettes ship on November 23rd, um, and everything's on the site for pre-order and order. Um, So go get yourself New York Ninja. Speaking of New York Ninja, our next topic is just that, New York Ninja. Um, For those who do not know, that is a film that has just been released by Vinegar Syndrome on Blu-ray. It's a ninja film that was filmed in 1984, uh, written, directed, and starring John Liu, who is a uh, Taiwanese martial arts star from the, the kind of late 60s all the way through the 70s. They filmed the movie mostly. I think they were probably, if I had to guesstimate, 95% done with the film or so. And they kind of ran out of money or time or both or whatever. So they stopped filming and all the film reels went on a pallet in storage, and there it sat. And at one point, uh, Troma um, kind of acquired the property, um, and then the redo of Canon uh, acquired the property. Nobody wanted to do anything with it. Um, and then fast forward to like about 2018 or 19 or so, uh, Vinegar Syndrome um, purchased a large collection of films from a defunct company called 21st Century Distribution, which was the initial company that did New York Ninja. Upon taking inventory of all that they bought, Vinegar Syndrome discovered these reels of camera negatives. So that's the actual takes of the whole film, not the edited film, just literally what they filmed, every take. So if one scene had seven takes, they have all those takes on the reel. And then later on, an editor would choose what to use of that, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they decided, what are we going to do with this? Oh, wait, there's no sound. There's no dialogue. There's no script. There's no outline. There's nothing except for silent picture on 70-plus reels. Uh, what does anybody do with that, right? You have no idea how to handle that or what to do. What are they even saying? What is this film about? You, you, know, you don't know. So... Um, Curtis Spieler over at Vinegar Syndrome kind of decided, I'm going to try to finish this film and uh, make sense of the footage, piece it together as best I can, 
try to read some lips, try to make sense of what I'm seeing and, and extrapolate that to dialogue, et cetera, et cetera. And then a little bit, he had to kind of make up some dialogue uh, based upon what was already happening and what he already did know was being said. So fast forward to 2019 summer, and we were on tour with Cybertronic Spree. We get an email from Vinegar Syndrome that is asking us if we want to score this film. After having a, a conversation with Curtis on the phone, I knew that this was going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, when Steve when Steve told us about it, we were driving to Chicago to play with Cybertronic Spree, and and he he was explaining the sort of unfinished nature of the thing and the sort of idea, like, well, we don't know if this is even really gonna gonna work out um, ultimately, but, uh, it's a ninja movie from the eighties. And we were like, what? Yeah. Okay. We That's can handle best. that. Like it was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to do that. You know, if you told me it was a, a Western from the sixties, I would have been like, all right, we'll make it work. But the ninja movie thing, you know, it was like right up our alley. That's our bread and butter. We grew up on that stuff. So we could write that in our sleep. And, and, uh, I think we, we might've written parts of it in our sleep did you right. have dreams steve that manifested in those parts oh definitely and sometimes i'd be down in the studio like at 12 30 one o'clock in the morning working on a setup uh, i mean you guys remember you probably get emails of the mp3s after you went to sleep you wake up the next yeah. morning oh that, that that son of a bitch had no, has another scene done oh my god yeah. <laughs> right and uh i just kind of started putting together some uh kind of skeleton structures and uh, some layouts of, of tunes for it because there's nothing else to do. We weren't playing shows. Uh, you couldn't leave the house unless you're going to get groceries. And uh, we kind of started getting our, our, our game plan together. And then what was it, the summer, right? Like July maybe of 2020? Yeah, we started it in June. We, we finished June. at the end of July. Okay, gotcha. And I feel like we submitted it to them, and like the music was done and turned in in August. That's right. August, August first. August first. Yeah, yeah, and it was the the hardest part was like we <laughs> were busy doing all this work, and we couldn't tell anybody about it other than like our, our families, and you know, explaining to your wife that you're working on a ninja movie is you know <laughs> interesting. Right, right, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, because like there was a kind of a it got to be summertime and I know that like numbers of COVID cases dropped dramatically. Um, so we kind of agreed to give this a try. Um, you know, we were all masked up and, uh, in kind of different areas of the studio, not right on top of each other type of thing. And, uh, we gave it a try and, uh, it's, it, it worked fine. Uh, you know, we were spread out and we had monitors so we could see the scenes. You know, it was a dream come true for us because, the, the music we make is always kind of a, uh, a soundtrack, a movie soundtrack, horror or science fiction or crime kind of vibe to our music already. But those are songs that are written with scenes in mind or with our just in our imaginations and our themes that we go into. But with this, we actually had the movie sitting right there. So, you know, we're watching the scene and we're reacting and we're emphasizing everything that's going on on screen this is like writing writing tailoring it just for the movie reacting to when he pulls the sword out or when he raises his eyebrow or when he punches somebody you know we're like 
making our music, uh, you know, a score, not just not just a movie soundtrack that would just feature songs from bands, but scoring the movie, which was a huge big deal for us. Right. Anybody that knows us knows that this is not the first time we've talked about movies as it relates to our music. We've been talking about, I found an article that we, an interview we did with the South End at Wayne State, which is like the local newspaper at Wayne State when we were in Forge. And if you read that article, we're specifically saying, you know, we sort of make music for movies based on like science fiction. And I mean, we were saying right. it back then. So, you know, right. all these years later, we've, we've basically stuck to the same, you know, mission statement. Yeah. It's just, we've kind of gone all in at this point, you know, right. Like yeah, Forge, true. we were trying, you know, Forge was definitely like the heavy metal version. Right. And this is just abandoning all, you know, other genres and going straight to the heart of making movie soundtracks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've been talking about movies forever. So getting, getting to finally do one after all these years, is sort of a big payoff for us, you know? Right. And, then, and you know, lest we forget flying out to LA to be there for the premiere and all that, that was, I know special too. for sure. That was going to be the next thing I was actually going to bring up is, uh, <clears throat> After the movie was brought back from obscurity and we scored it, then it was all put together, the foley, the dialogue, um, which was done by some genre greats. Um, guys, throw some names at me. Well, Don the Dragon Wilson did the main character of John. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock did a part. Um, Linnea Quigley did a part. Ginger Lynn did a part. Yeah, Leon Leon Isaac Kennedy from the Penitentiary movies yeah. did uh, did a voice of the detective. I mean, this is like an all star sort of genre movie cast. A lot of martial arts people um, who you know, even though they weren't like doing their own martial arts like they've done in all their other movies, um, they got to to do the voices for this you know buried gem uh, right. of a movie. You know, and the villain, and, and the main villain. Well, the main villain was voiced by Michael Berryman, who is... Oh, how can we yeah, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, by the way. No, yeah, that's right. Yep. I just recently remember that. A lot that. of people overlooked that one with him. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and here's another obscure one. The principal in the Smoking in the Boys Room video by Motley Crue. <laughs> oh, nice. yeah. Oh my How's God! <laughs> there you go. He did more than the Hills Have Eyes. But how many of those that's did deep he do? Like four Greg. or five? Deep knowledge. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did a bunch of movies. How many so, sequels? I mean, he's yeah. instantly recognizable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, after all that was done, we got to fly out to LA for the world premiere at the Arrow Theater. Man, it was off the hook. Um, it was a packed house, and a lot of the voice talent was there. We were there. The director was there, Curtis Spieler, or the redirector, if you want to say. Um, and some producers were there from Vinegar Syndrome. Brad, it was Brad Henderson. Yeah, Brad Henderson. We got to meet him. Super cool dude. He was one of the producers uh, on the film. It was great. Uh, people kind of went nuts for the film. Like all the spots where there's, you know, expected reactions, whether it's cheering or laughing or whatever it hit all those and people were the energy in the room was just so cool. I, I it's uh, it was a, the best experience to, 
to uh, to be there and know that your music is 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 helping support this whole thing and uh, people are reacting to it and it's hitting like all the all the marks it should hit and the energy flow is right. I loved it. This was the perfect um, crew or audience to watch that movie with because everybody was into every second of it oh, the yeah. whole time. It was great, definitely. And I I think I would recommend. I mean, unless you're a very serious connoisseur of this type of thing, um, which I, I think we all are, but your average kind of moviegoer, I think if you do want to watch this, watch it in a group. Ha- invite eight people over to your house and have, have some beers or whatever and enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it even more, I think, um, because it just has that group fun element to me. I don't know. That's just me. But I mean, yeah. I would watch it by myself, but I'm, I'm not probably common when it comes to that <laughs> but you you've already seen it too yeah so yeah you know but yeah if, some, if somebody's watching it for the first time watching it with a group of people is the best way to watch this movie because they'll they'll feed off each other and and just get into the the humor of it you know yeah because mm-hmm. i mean the what people were laughing at are the choices that like the people who film this movie made right <laughs> like a lot of what they chose to film and the concepts that they were running with are just completely preposterous. You know what right. I mean? It's almost like you right. can't figure out why they would film some of this stuff, you know, right. and clearly a lot of it was done without permits, you know, which has been mentioned and, you know, very similar to how we might do something. You know? <laughs> so like, Totally, man. <laughs> I mean, you just got to make inher- it happen. Yeah. There's some inherent charm in that, right? Like you, you, you know, I've said this to these guys and I, I've said it in another podcast that we just did, you know, I've gotten a lot more forgiving when I, when I feel like people's hearts are in the right place, like Aaron said, you know, and I'll, I'll forgive a film for being goofy, you know, just based on that, because I know they were trying to do something and I sort of appreciate the effort. And, you know, the, the, the opposite end of that is, you know, some people will look at this movie and say, Oh, it's a dumb ninja movie. It's not even as good as some of the other ones. And they're, and, in a, in a lot of ways they're right, but you know, the alternative is you would have never got to see this. If, if Curtis and Brad and all the people of vinegar syndrome hadn't put the time and effort into pulling this thing off of the pallet, digitizing it, you know, scanning it, whatever it is they do, and then trying to make sense out of it, which, you know, is incredibly <laughs> challenging considering what was filmed. You know, it's you wouldn't, a, it's you, a miracle, man. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have this movie at all. So, you know, do you want to live in a world where this movie doesn't exist? I don't think. Right. No. Nope. Right. And this, this story, <clears throat> I mean, we've seen a lot of movies and we've heard of a lot of different production movies getting lost and stuff. This has never been done before. It's never been done. I guarantee you. Because I've never heard of it. A, no. a, a, a lost movie. There are plenty of those that get resurfaced. Maybe that was something that was released. Um, you know, for one, one weekend, Obscurely you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. but they're finished movies, they're done. And then right. they get rediscovered and re, uh, you know, they'll get re-released by vinegar syndrome or some other company, Severin or whatever. And, but they're, they're already done. It's yeah. Never maybe happened. they had to, maybe the, um, the original, uh, master was lost. So they had to take like a, um, uh, a theatrical print to, to go yeah. from or something like that. So it might not be as crisp, but it's yeah. still a finished film that had everything done. The original story intact, the original score intact, you know, right. all that stuff. It's done. So but to yeah. Take yeah a movie, I, I love, 
I love when that he told that story at the premiere and he's like, you know, so the logical thing to do is just to go off the clapboard. So I took the clapboards and put those in order and then I watched it and it made no goddamn sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, so, so now what do you do? It was like back to the drawing board, you know? So right. to, for them to avoid making a parody out of it and making it like into a sort of a Kung Pao enter the fist kind of thing. I mean, they did it, they, they did it with as much, um respect and took it as seriously as they could and then you add our music and we took it very seriously so this has never been done before to take a movie that was completely dead and resurrect it and finish it uh is you know if they if they ever do anything else like this with any other movie hopefully they'll give us a call too that's right we are up to the challenge every time (laughs) yep um so we are out of time for our episode number one of v3 cast um, so we just want to make sure that we let everybody know New York Ninja is out right now on Blu-ray vinegar syndrome.com has it for sale and believe it or not, they are having some limited theatrical runs at like art house theaters and some film festivals. So check either, uh, Voyager three.com or vinegar syndrome.com for, um, when they're going to be playing and Catch it in the theater. It's really cool to see it with a group of people who are yeah, kind of like minded. We should mention this thing was shot on 35 millimeter. It's no joke. Like the scan that they did of this mu- this movie is beautiful. It's it's flawless. It it looks so good you can't believe it was shot in '84. Yeah, I mean you it know, must so have been I, stored really well because I mean it was the actual clean. camera super negative. Clean. Yeah, it's super clean. So all the yeah. more reason to see it in the theater. Yeah, and some of the theaters that are going to be playing it actually are playing a 35 millimeter print. They created a, a a 35 millimeter print of the film, and that's going to be circulating. So just keep your your eyes out for when it's playing, and uh, make sure to get the soundtrack to New York Ninja. We have it on CD and cassette. Uh, the CDs are out now and shipping, and the um, cassettes ship on the 23rd because they are in transit to us right now from the manufacturer. So uh, that's Voyager3.com, V-O-Y-A-G-3-R.com is our official site. And our store is V-O-Y-A-G-3-R-Store.com. And visit VinegarSyndrome.com to get the Blu-ray. And uh, we will see you next time on V3Cast.